right? You are the spark, right? We know that. But it's time to, like, rev it up a little bit and become that flame. Who's with me? Right? Yeah. So to become that flame, we have to practice these ideas. And so last week, we had a spiritual practice of um, taking a scripture and using that scripture and contemplating it, thinking about it, and asking the question, well, how is the scripture speaking to me? And then moving forward as that idea, that understanding that came to us. And so how many of you took on that practice last week? Hey, I see some hands. Not as many as those who said they were going to, but <laughs> but that's okay. All right, so who would like to share? Dan. All right, Dan. I'm going to make this short. I'm going to try. So you started out with, we're going to share scripture. We're going to go back to our favorite scripture. My problem was, before you started that, you talked about churches and how different churches are. When I was, up till when I was nine years old, my mother, well, she all her life belonged to the Presbyterian Church. Um, but one morning, and I went to Sunday school as a little girl, I remember being in kindergarten and all that, and it was really cool. I got to third grade and woke up one morning. My mother was gone. My sister was gone. She was teaching Sunday school, so she left. So I threw my clothes on, and I ran up to church, and it was way up in the top, and I opened the door, and the Sunday school teacher was going teaching, and he was quoting scripture, and he said, and you're, and he turned at me, and he said, and you're a sinner, and your mother's a sinner, mm. and I looked at him, and I looked at the class, I shut the door, and I walked out, and I never went back to that church again. Wow. So as we're doing this, I thought, well, where has scripture been in my life? And I thought, well, my dad was married when I was like 10 and in the Unity Church, and Daily Word's been part of my life. So I said, I'm going to go to Daily Word, and I'm going to pick out a scripture that suits me, because the Psalm 1 really didn't suit me. So I thought till last night when I got a Bible. So what I got was inner peace, mm-hmm. and that was one of the um, Thursday, February 13th. Be still and know that I am God. Mm-hmm. That's Psalm 4510. Well, the one that you suggested was 45-1. So, rest is history. Yeah. But that really touched my heart. Fabulous. Thank you, Jane. Anybody else? Yeah, Greg. I took the uh, shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. And um, I took that um, as a personal, um, what's the word I want to say, um, permission mm-hmm. to allow um, myself to feel mm. as opposed to always trying to be in the left side of my brain. Beautiful. Beautiful, Greg. Good job. Yay, Jan and Greg and those of you who took on that practice, thank you so much. So we are moving forward to a whole new series. We've entered into the season of Lent, the season of Lent in Unity, which is where we feast well, first we fast, fast from error, and feast on truth. And so we are here to feast on the truth. Only six Sundays, and then it's Easter already. So for those six Sundays, we're going to be feasting on the truth. And our, our overarching theme for the year is perfect vision, being through a spiritual lens. So during this season of Lent, what we're going to be looking at is seeing through the lens of Christ. And my basis for my talks, as well as the class that happens at 1230, is from Richard Rohr's book, 
the universal Christ. So we are all aware, whether you were raised in a Christian church or not, I think everybody here in the United States is aware of Jesus Christ. And Richard Rohr begins this book with the first chapter saying Christ is not Jesus' last name, right? Which is kind of a funny idea. But there was a time when my youngest daughter was probably 12, 13 years old. She was at her friend's house one day, and she calls me up on the phone, and she goes, Mom, I know you'll know the answer to this. Isn't Christ Jesus' last name? Because they must have been got, had, had a conversation, an argument about this. And in her mind, she had heard about Jesus Christ all these years, so it must be his last name. Many of us grew to believe that Jesus Christ was like the only Christ. Anybody had that perception as you were growing up? Right. And so Richard Rohr, in his book, The Universal Christ, invites us to a new way of being. And it is so in alignment with unity. Somebody recently asked me, doesn't it upset you that all of these different denominations are teaching now what unity was teaching all along? And it's like, well, no, truth is truth. Truth is truth. Thank you, God. Everybody is seeing it from that perspective, right? So there's this idea of the universal Christ. And what does that mean? So Richard Rohr tells us that the Christ has come three times. The first time when the Christ came happened in the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And this is where Richard Rohr tells us the Christ began. As that light that is in all of creation. As that light that is the foundation of all of creation. And that what we are living in right here, right now, and always is a Christ-soaked world. But that light that began creation is the very light of the Christ, the very light of God that is our foundation. The second time that the Christ was revealed, because if the light of Christ is within all of creation and always has been and always will be. Is there ever a time when the Christ was not here? No. But the second time that the Christ was revealed through creation, Richard Rohr says, is through Jesus. That Jesus came to reveal that light that is within each and every one of us and within all of creation. That he was here to fully demonstrate the Christ that each and every one of us are. So we have some sayings in the Gospel of John. They are the I am statements. Where I am, the light of the world comes from. Where I am the way, the truth, and the light. And that that is the way that is to the Father, right? No one will get to the Father but through me. And that 
humanity, Christianity, has taken that idea and said that this idea is about Jesus. Jesus, the man. And it has become a way of believing where you have to believe the right way in order to be saved. You have to have, for example, a personal relationship with Jesus to be saved. And the problem, Richard Rohr says, with that idea is that it becomes a very exclusionary theology. You're okay as long as you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. But those of you who have not are outside of that salvation. So it's become a very exclusionary way of seeing the light that is within all of creation. Richard Rohr also tells us in his book, The Universal Christ, that in the first three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Jesus never speaks of himself in those I am statements. The Gospel of John is different. It's it's a Gospel that biblical scholars agree is mystical, metaphorical, whereas the first three Gospels are, are more of the story. And so in those first three Gospels, Richard Rohr tells us in this book 87 times, Jesus declares himself to be the Son of Man. In the Aramaic, the word that would have been used was Barnasha. He saw himself as Barnasha. And that in Scripture was translated as the Son of Man, which came with its own implications. But that in reality, that idea within the Aramaic simply meant an ordinary human being. That Jesus in those first three Gospels was telling us, I'm just an ordinary human being, Barnasha, just like you, just like me. And that he came to show us the way of living as that light of God that each and every one of us are. So when you take the statement, I am the way, the truth, and the light, it is that great I am that starts that statement that unity describes as Christ consciousness. It is that Christ consciousness, that Christ spirit, that Christ light that is the way and the truth. And that we will find our way back to God, back to an awareness of that divine power and presence within as we walk in that example that Jesus gave us. So if we were all created as the light, if at the moment of creation that light was placed within all of creation, Christ-soaked world, then why don't we see this light everywhere we look? Richard Rohr tells us that the light isn't something we do. It is a way in which we see the world. So what gets in our way of seeing the light within ourselves and within all of creation? Fear. Judgment. Wanting to do it by yourself. Not wanting to do it. You have to have a crowd following along with what the crowd is saying. Pride. A belief in separation. 
And as we hold these ideas as humanity of separation, of fear, of lack, of worry, of concern, of pride, of judgment, of following the crowd, the light seems to be extinguished. So how do we turn our light back on so that it can be seen again? Take a breath and tune in. Take a breath again and tune in. Faith, love, principles, acknowledge our error thoughts, forgiveness, compassion, understanding, kindness. Now, in reality, when it appears that our our light has been extinguished, is our light still there? Of course it is. We are living in a world that is soaked with the Christ, according to Richard Rohr and Unity. You can't extinguish it. You can only believe it's been extinguished. But in any moment that we choose to change our mind, the light is there again. The light in this particular little candle is a little battery. And that battery will eventually wear out, right? But in reality, that battery, if you will, that is enlightening each one of us is that very essence of life, that very essence of God that is within each and every one of us that is eternal, never-ending, the Alpha, the Omega. It can't be extinguished, even for a moment, or creation would cease to exist. It's the very beginning of creation. Let there be light, and there is light. Creation cannot be without this light of the divine that is within each and every one of us and within all of creation. And Jesus came as our example of that. An ordinary human being choosing to remember the light that he was, and choosing to remind each one of us of the light that we are. And so when I talk about, in unity, Jesus is not the exception, this is what we mean by that. That that light of the divine, that Christ spirit, that we so clearly see in the life of Jesus, is the same as the light of within each one of us. And so maybe he lived into that potential in a way that some of us have not lived into yet. And so we see him as the exception. But instead, he is our example. He is our way of walking through life, seeing through this light of God that we are seeing with perfect vision. Seeing through that spiritual lens. Now, Richard Rohr talks about the third coming, right? So the first, let there be light, and there was light. The second, through the demonstration that Jesus gave to each one of us of what we could be. Here's how you demonstrate the light. And the third, Richard Rohr says, comes to us through beloved community. In other words, through relationships with one another. You cannot see through this light 
without also being in relationship with others and encouraging and seeing each one is that light. That this is how that Christ light is revealed through all of creation when each of us are willing to see it and be it as Jesus taught us and then to live it with one another through community, through relationships. So how are you and I challenged to see through the eyes of light, to be that light with one another in this world in which we live? Where are you challenged to see it and to be it? In traffic... In traffic, Mary Ellen. Anybody else challenged in traffic? The light has gone out. I cannot see with the light. So how do we turn the light back on? Where it's not really a turning it back on, right? Because it's always on. But how do we then reveal that light in traffic? Don't give them the finger. <laughs> That's a good start. That's a good start, Scott. Treat them as though they were a guest in your home that you would allow leniency. Yeah. We're all in this together. We are all in this together. So I set the intention that all people have safe passage. And I hold that place of possibility that we are all in the safe passage, moving through this world together. I'm a part of the traffic. We're all. Uh, yeah, police. Yeah. So we don't have to give the finger. We can turn on our lights, and as we're passing them by, we can give them a little wave. Good day. Right? Penelope. Bless you. Bless you. So I change my mind. Right? I make the decision to change my mind and to see through eyes of light. And in the process, what I will naturally do then is be that light. When I stop coming from error, when I stop coming from judgment, when I stop coming from pride, when I stop coming from fear, from separation, when I remember the truth and my light is once more on, I then see from those eyes and my actions follow that. And my actions are far more understanding. Far more forgiving, far more peaceful. All right, let's go through one more example. Where do you have trouble seeing the light? Politics. Politics. No light. Except that we know that we are living in a Christ-soaked creation. And so even there, even there, there is light. 
even in the darkest of places, there is light. And so even here in politics, I choose to see through light-filled eyes. And how do I do that with politics? Who's got an idea? How do we, how do we see through the light there? We can send love. We can see the best. We can be open. We can open our eyes to seeing through eyes of love, which, again, I'm going to go back to a couple of weeks ago. My message was that that doesn't mean we stick our head in the sand. That doesn't mean we call out, don't call out injustices. But we do so seeing first through eyes of light, not eyes of condemnation and judgment and anger and hurt and victimhood. Our actions will look totally different than if we first choose to see through eyes of light. For then all of those politicians have that very light of God. Can I be willing to simply open my mind to that idea and to try to um, engage, remember, the third way that the light is revealed, that the Christ is revealed, is in relationship with one another. So as long as we allow politics to divide us, how are we seeing light in one another? So are we willing to set that aside and see each one through eyes of light, through eyes of understanding, through eyes of hope, through eyes of possibility rather than condemnation and judgment? And in that way, we have the third coming of the Christ through the relationship that we have with one another. And this takes action. Because we have been taught through the beliefs that we hold to forget that that light is the divine, it's in all of creation, that everyone and everything is sacred and holy and divine and worthy. So let us choose instead to find that light within. So I want you to pull out your candles. Everybody got a candle? If you didn't get a candle, raise your hand and Dory or Michael will bring one by. We've got a couple up here. How do you turn on your light? With a switch. And how do you turn on your light within yourself? With a switch. And what is behind that switch? Us. My choice. I choose to be the light that I am. So can you own it? Jesus said it. You are the light. Can you own that? I am the light. Can you say that? I am the light. I am the light. One more time. I am the light. Now turn to someone. You are the light. You are the light. You are the light. You are the light. And listen. The world needs us to remember that we are the light. We are the light. We are the light. And so we're going to practice that idea this week. We are the light. I am the light. You are the light. So our spiritual practice for this week, which you'll find in your bulletin, is to take time this week to contemplate that scripture. 
You are the light of the world. To take the time to pause and consider, I am the light of the world. And as you do so, to ask yourself the question of what would this look like then in my life? And as that wisdom within you guides you to go forth and be that light. Now, I want you to take your candle with you because we all have moments in our days and in our weeks where we forget and the light's off, right? So I want you to set this candle somewhere. You could carry it in your pocket or in your purse or set it in your car on the dash or place it somewhere in your home where you're going to see it so that when you realize, oh, my gosh, I have forgotten I am the light, you're going to walk over, flip the switch, externally, and then decide, what do I need to do to flip that switch internally so that my light will once more be revealed? And we're going to make that your practice through this entire Lenten series, right? I think the, I think the battery will last that long, right? So who's with me? Yeah. I am the light of the world. You are the light of the world. We are the light of the world. Now let's go forth and do that. Thank you and God bless.